0: This is
1: ContraZoom, a Live in Limbo production.
0: This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenal. And I am Andreas Babiulakis.
2: And today we have a special uh, Toronto International Film Festival wrap-up. Uh, and we are joined here today by the one, the only, Mehek Saeed. How are you doing today?
1: I am great. How are you guys?
2: It's great to have you back. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm really excited to be back. Because um, like, I went through this whole festival experience and have barely unpacked it yet. So thanks for having me back on the show.
2: Yeah, no worries. I guess, you know, right off the bat, I said we're doing a TIFF episode. Uh, So how was your 2016 TIFF, Mac?
1: Well, I broke my personal record of the amount of films that I saw over the course of this year's festival. Last year, I saw 18. And this year, I hit 21. So I'm very, very pleased about that. Um, Was I extremely sleep-deprived? Yes. Did I live off of bagels and really crappy chicken sandwiches at fast food restaurants? Yes. But did I love this year's festival? Absolutely. It was such a great experience overall, and I saw a lot of really interesting films, although I will always say that I could have done better in certain categories, but I'm still very pleased with my overall experience at TIFF this year and glad that I was able to get into a couple of really big movies, so All right. great festival overall. Well,
2: I have two questions. First, for those people that listen to CAP, so you were uh, very hopefully wondering if they would have the free coffee. Did they have the free coffee?
1: They did have the free coffee, and I lived off of that. And not only did they have free coffee, they also had free premium espresso drinks this year. So McDonald's is activation on King West, which is sort of the main area of the toronto international film festival and usually they just do um coffee and tea but this year they were offering like lattes and cappuccinos and i was like it was heaven whenever i could catch it and make sure i wasn't standing in a super long line because those lineups got really long during the course of those 10 days but I was very, very pleased.
2: Wow. All right. Uh, and then question number two, um, when you're seeing, trying to see over 20 films, how exactly do you pick out what you're going to see? Is it basically at that point throwing darts at a schedule?
1: <laughs> it kind of is in a way. I mean, I always go in with a sort of predetermined list that I will absolutely try and like knock off every film on that list over the course of the festival and then if there's something that like I absolutely absolutely need to see then I will figure out a way to get into whatever that film is so uh in this case for this year La La Land was my top film of like my must see and I luckily scored a ticket in advance on uh, single ticket day when single tickets went on sale but otherwise it was kind of um you know it's kind of a mix and match thing I think it would tip like I always go in with a plan but Every single day that plan would change and luckily I got a few free tickets along the way sometimes I wouldn't get into certain movies so I'd have to run over to other lines and try and get in so you gotta you gotta kind of have some backups and be a little flexible and I think that adds to the entire experience to be honest
2: Wow all right uh, Andreas, I know your tip wasn't nearly as intensive as this but uh, how was it for you?
0: <laughs> it's it was intense try to mix that in with school which I've gone back to school so that alone was diabolical and i have a classmate who's actually uh he's a chinese journalist who does interviews and you know like film journalism as well he saw like almost as many as you thought a little bit more me heck so i have no idea how he had time for it but i feel sorry for both of you but i also am jealous of both of you um tiff's always good even if you end up seeing a movie you're not fond of it's the overall experience it's the the crowd you're with it's the waiting in line with other film fanatics it's Mm -hmm. everything turns orange before it's fall and the leaves turn orange because the tiff logos everywhere it's just always beautiful even if you go to like one film even if you don't even see a film i just i love this time of year to me it's christmas by far
2: Well, I am jealous of the both of you because I did not see anything. I was poor and I could not get time off work so I suffered. I had the option to try to see a couple press screenings and for whatever reason the times just did not line up in my favor. So I saw nothing so I am here to act as the layman of what I saw in reviews and what I've been hearing and I want the two of you to teach me. Uh, So I guess we'll start off with uh, the big, big news that came out of TIFF and that was the People's Choice Award, which uh, while some festivals like uh, Cannes have a, a top jury prize or uh, the Berlin Film Festival has the Golden Bear and things like that, TIFF's top prize is called the People's Choice Award and this year it went to La La Land and historically... Whoever wins the People's Choice Award is basically considered a near lock to get a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. They've won, I think, four or five of the Best Pictures overall. And I think it's been four straight years that the winner's gone to the Best Picture nomination at the Oscars, which is pretty crazy. I know that both of you got a chance to see it. Uh, So I'd love to hear, you know, your your initial thought, what this means, how big this movie is. Was it even worth seeing? Uh, So, Andreas, I guess let's start with you.
0: <laughs> um, i'm just gonna explode right off the bat first off damn right it's worth seeing even if you're not heavily mm-hmm. into musicals and uh I-, I will use this opportunity to right now say i'm gonna predict this early on and i might change my mind but i think this is gonna win best picture and now let's use the following discussion to point out why so on <laughs> first off do you have the same sentiments?
1: you know i'm It's kind of a close race for me. As of right now, I think it's definitely going to come down to La La Land or Lion at this point, which is another film that had its world premiere at TIFF. Um, But La La Land definitely has a very strong chance.
0: Yeah, which uh, it's Damien Chazelle's third film, I believe, after Whiplash soared its way into the Academy Awards and ended up winning... um, quite a lot considering that year there wasn't any massive winner that swept the awards. So, I mean, three awards, and he's back with a film which is considerably, possibly even better. Um, La La Land, without giving too much away, is a gorgeous, gorgeous musical that doesn't, you know, overstuff itself with musical numbers and scores. It it often lights up the mood and the atmosphere with the odd number here and there, but it's it's exceptionally witty, well-acted, and just Before I go into it it too much further, uh, I'll I'll give you a chance to geek out about it as well. So, uh, you have the floor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard to contain yourself when you're talking about this movie, and I'm really lucky because I actually got to see it twice during TIFF. Um, I lined up for the People's Choice screening with my friend for about three and a half hours because I wanted to see it again that badly. Um, Like you said, it's this gorgeous, gorgeous musical by Damien Chazelle, and Right off the bat, I want to say he is such a young visionary. I mean, he's only 31 years old, and Whiplash was a fantastic, you know, launch pad for him. But La La Land is just such a huge undertaking, and I don't think a lot of people would necessarily assume that. But when you actually get to see the film, you'll realize how much technique and how much, you know— from a visual standpoint, how stunning it really is. It's just, it's colorful, it's bright, it's joyful. And it really, as a film, it kind of reminds you why you go to the movies. Um, it's an original piece that I just like, I can't stop raving about it. Um, you know, at the same time, I am going to say that the story is not necessarily the most groundbreaking out there, but I think this film is more about the storytelling and whether that's, Damien Chazelle's directing or the performances from both Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, which are incredibly strong. But I will say Emma Stone is the real standout of this film. Um, She's just so stunning and really gives it her all, especially in the last sort of half an hour of the film. It's fantastic. Now,
2: I get a real singing in the rain vibe from this. Am I am I on point with that?
0: Absolutely. Basically, this is imagine the ending of an american in paris where it's phantasmagorical and make that the entire film with a singing in the rain american in paris kind of ending so it already starts off fantasy like and just whimsical and beautiful but then um i'm gonna be embarrassed to say this because although all of our listeners will know this and i hope mehek you're in the same boat as me here um <laughs> If you like those kinds of musicals and you nailed it right on the head without even seeing it, Dakota, if you like these kinds of music musicals, the Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers kind, that ending, I hate to admit it, I actually cried and it was freaking embarrassing. So I hope you at least felt weepy-eyed. Did you at least feel anything, heck?
1: Oh my gosh, the feels were hitting me very hard during the film, but I will say that I did not shed a tear, not quite, oh. but... You know, I it definitely it it takes a lot for me to cry in a movie. And actually on the topic of that, Lion is the only film that really made me cry uh over the course of the festival. But La La Land, that that last the the way it ends, you know, there really weren't too many dry eyes in the house at both screenings that I attended. Um, lots of lots of sniffles in the air and lots of people passing tissues around and it's it doesn't end where you think it's going to end and I'm so glad that they take the creative direction that they do with that film and how it kind of ties together. It's just yeah, I can't I can't stop talking about it and you know, going into TIFF. I heard all these great things and it was on my radar because I was like, hey, Damien Giselle, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling. Then it did tremendously well at Venice and Emma Stone won an acting prize there. And so you knew going into TIFF this year that this was like the big, the big, big film. And I'm just glad it met my expectations.
0: Absolutely. For me, um, to kind of wrap it up in my own sentiments, this is the singing in the rain version of what the artist was to silent films. This is a great throwback perfectly in its own universe there won't be films replicating it because it does what it does so well so it's it's a must see for sure
2: all right yeah. well that sounds excellent i cannot wait to see it then um and just as a, a sort of a footnote uh, you had mentioned lion a few times that was one of the runners up for the people's choice award along with queen of cotway uh did you happen to see that one Mahak?
1: I didn't, just because I knew it was coming out at the end of the month for a wide release uh, by Disney. So it wasn't really a priority of mine during the festival. Um, Lion, I just actually happened upon some free tickets uh, for the world premiere. So I was very, very pleased that I got to see that, um, which is definitely going to keep pushing through, I think, over the next couple of months, because the story is mind-blowing.
2: All right, then. Uh, Oh, then the other uh big award that gets handed out is the Toronto Platform Prize, which is basically the equivalent of a grand jury prize, uh, which went to the movie Jackie, which the both of you saw as well. Uh, so I guess, uh, Mahek, if you want to sort of take the lead on this one, and uh, and was that one worthy of the award it got?
1: You know, Jackie was another film that I kind of heard whispers about and everyone was raving about Natalie Portman. And so I went to the I went to try and get tickets to the to the public screening, which also happened to be a combined press screening. And I was in that line for almost three hours and not one person got into the first screening from the rush line. Um, So I was severely disappointed, but I was persistent and I tried again and I got in and I was I'm so glad that I spent Probably a total of five hours waiting to see an hour and a half movie, which is essentially a 90 minute reel of Natalie Portman demonstrating once again why she is an incredible actress and why she is going to steal every award uh, during this upcoming season. I, it's, it's not even just about adaptation with, with how she portrays Jackie Kennedy. It's, it's just a full on sort of embodiment of this character and of this individual uh, in a very particularly emotional time, so the film kind of follows um, the immediate period after um, her husband is assassinated and it's it's just so like i I don't even have words really to describe how how well she she was able to display this sort of emotional experience. be kind of sympathetic, but also kind of be in awe of who this woman was and you know, the kind of things that she she kind of did when she was in the White House as a as a first lady and as a representative in the state. it's 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 not quite a biopic, but it is enough insight to really increase your respect for the woman who so many people adore as it is. Um, but in a very odd way because it's not necessarily as pleasing as one might think. but yeah, she's just, its she's phenomenal. It's really great. Andreas, what did you think? Well,
0: despite how much I just gleed over La La Land, which is probably my second favorite film this year, Jackie is actually my favorite film this year. And it's, it's not as easy to glee about because it's such a gloomy film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's definitely nerve-wracking and earth-shattering. And it's refreshing how raw and actually savage this kind of movie is. It doesn't feel like not that there's anything wrong with Spielberg's Lincoln, but it, that's definitely Hollywood. As this one just felt like it was produced by Darren Aronofsky, but uh, it felt like an Aronofsky movie where everything just got more and more and more full of anguish and just harder and harder and harder to watch. And it doesn't hold back on anything that it does. And it's definitely psychological, definitely full of turmoil. And I definitely agree with you when, when he said that Portman's going to sweep up all of the awards because this is, I've always liked her as an actress and I thought her turn of black swan is phenomenal, but this is like a chameleon-esque kind of performance. The kind you would see from like Gary Oldman or, you know, I mentioned Lincoln, Daniel Day-Lewis, just like this complete transformation where you don't even feel like you're watching this person. And that kind of performance in such a really, dismal kind of film, like, it really hits you hard, and, I mean, just, the whole movie is quite brave, and I actually got a chance to, um, to talk to the director, Pablo Lorraine, and he's a super nice guy, and uh, just such a wise mind, so smart, and he was telling us all of these, you know, these things that went into behind the film. Did you get a chance to hear him talk, or was he out of there by the time you saw the screening?
1: I actually went to a press screening of the film, so it was just... Right. Yeah, no, nothing too special going on there.
0: Uh, well, he, from word of mouth remind of things, he's a super nice guy and just extremely switched on. And I hope he gets nominated. I hope this is his big North American break because he damn well deserves it with this one.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. anyone saw a couple years ago, he was nominated for Best Foreign Film for No with Gael Garcia Bernal, yes. which was a really interesting take on film because he fil- he used only. Period appropriate film cameras from the 1980s to shoot it. So it has this really weird vintage vibe to it that was pretty fascinating. So I'm quite curious to see what he's doing with a much bigger budget.
0: He actually did do that kind of camera technique with Jackie, where some of it looks more retro than others. And he'll intercut between what, well, obviously mock footage of her on television, Jackie Onassis. But then her being filmed for the same footage. so to see it like the weight the ratio of the screen going from like a square television set and the screen itself, like the the movie itself turns square into like the full landscape of the White House. It's definitely a great balance of like what you saw across America and what was actually going on in the White House. like it, he's definitely as a, as inventive with this film, if not more, I would say. Well,
2: wore down things because I never had the guts to be-
0: Um.
2: Now, I, I guess let's figure. Let's talk about maybe some of the other ones you had uh, had seen. Mehek, um, I know you saw a whole bunch. So, is there a couple that really stood out, either that were personal favorites or one that we're going to be hearing much more, a lot more about later on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as I've mentioned a couple times already, um, there's a film called Lion, uh, which is starring Dave Patel, Rooney Mara, and uh, Nicole Kidman. And it's based on a true story about an Indian child who is separated from his family uh, at a very young age just by accident and uh, ends up, you know, after a very long tumultuous process, ends up being adopted uh, by an Australian couple. And then years and years and years later, when he's in his 20s, he kind of realizes that he's in the middle of this sort of identity crisis and really doesn't know anything about himself. And so he goes on this quest to locate his family and to locate the village where he was originally from using Google Maps. And it's a true story. Um, And, you know, I don't really want to talk too much more about what happens after that. Uh, But it premiered at TIFF as its world premiere. And it was the second movie that I saw at the festival. And I said very early on to many, many people just based on the reaction um, of the film that it was going to go far. And it ended up being the runner up, as you mentioned for people's choice uh, Dakota. Um, It's, you know, I'm really, I'm typically kind of hesitant about films that tackle socioeconomic issues or sociopolitical issues in India. And maybe that's just because of my own background and my sort of bias occasionally about how they're portrayed. But this film in the first half really gets it right. And it doesn't even rely on its principal cast members to deliver that sort of rawness and the emotional intensity and sort of the the really harsh reality that thousands upon thousands of children face uh within the country every single day um they found these really incredible young actors to deliver the experience of a child who is lost and of these orphans who kind of pro- kind of you know they they live in the streets and everything and it's it's just so eye opening and shocking uh, for a lot of people that, who aren't aware of that situation. And the emotional arc is incredible in that film. And that's the one film that I cried in very easily. So definitely people are going to continue to hear about that. I think it got a huge beginning. A huge start at TIFF. And it's only going to gain momentum as the months go on. And as we enter into award season. And I think of the other film that I'd like to talk about is a film called Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, which... I kind of heard whispers during the festival and it was one of those films that I didn't intend to see initially, but then I heard all these rave reviews about it and managed to get into a very, very, very last minute press screening, Um, one of few people who were let in from the rush line. Um, And it's just such a stunning film. I can't even begin to comprehend how beautiful this storytelling is and how it can even exist in sort of indie budget films, and um, I'm really excited for it to get a push forward. So it basically follows this young uh, African-American boy who, um, you know, through three stages of his life, so as a child and in adolescence and then as an adult, and through each chapter we kind of uh, see his sort of exploration of identity and sexuality, and it's kind of something that I don't think we've really seen in film, or at least not in mainstream film, too often, Um, and it's just a really stunning portrait of that of that journey of this individual in a really accessible, sometimes humorous, but just completely human way. And I think we're going to keep talking about it, and you're going to hear more about it, and I would not be surprised if it makes its way to the Oscars the same way Whiplash did.
2: All right. Well, that one, I know Moonlight particularly is one I really have my eye on uh, only because it stars, uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, uh, Mahershala Ali, who uh, mm-hmm. who's, who's most known for his role as Remy Danton on House of Cards. Uh, yes. So if you're a fan of, of his work, what he's done in there, he's actually got another big movie coming out, uh, which I believe you also saw as well, which is Birth of a Nation. He's in that too, isn't he?
1: Was he in that movie? I yes, think- yes. I think I think he had a small role in it. He's also going to be in Hidden Figures, um, which is the big film with Taraji P. Henson and uh, Octavia Spencer and Janelle Monae, um, about three women who uh, helped launch the first uh, shuttle into space with NASA, which is really cool. Um, I think he had a role in Birth of a Nation. He did not. I'm and- looking
2: it up. I I am mistaken. I'm confusing it with Free State of Jones, the Matthew McConaughey. Oh, movie okay. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. 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 Breath of a Nation was one of the, like, early films I saw. I think it was, like, third or fourth. So, excuse my mistake as well. Um, Now,
2: despite the, you know, I don't really want to get too much into the controversy surrounding uh, Nate Parker, the writer, director, and star of it. But as a film itself, what were your thoughts on it?
1: As a film itself, it is quite good. Um, I would say that the story, like what I will say is that the story is one that we, that one that should be told. And I'm glad that it is being told. Um, although, you know, there are all these extenuating circumstances that, you know, might affect how much people will view the film and understandably, uh, either way. Um, but as a film itself, it does tell this really, really necessary story and it is kind of violent at times. It's, a little bit gory but there are some really gorgeous creative choices along the way. I'm kind of obsessed with the score of that movie as well and you know I, I'm always I'm I always appreciate films that end realistically um in par sort of parallel to history. You know a lot of time when we when we talk about films or we see films that um take on slavery or they'll take on these huge socio-political issues and socio-economic issues they don't sometimes they end in these sort of neat little bows and this is definitely not a film that ends that way uh, and i'm glad i'm glad that they didn't sugarcoat it and kind of told this one chapter in history in american history um the way that as far as i know is uh, how it actually turned out um so i would you know if if it is a story that you know you might be interested in it is a film that is worth watching just as a film in itself.
2: All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, Andreas, you saw a couple other ones. Do you have any thoughts, the ones that stuck out that we should be paying attention to?
0: Um, ones to be paying attention to on that note, I'll only bring up one because I did see a couple of other ones, but um, it's such new Jeff Nichols movie loving, which is a very soft poetic approach to the troubles of interracial dating. Um, earlier in the United States. And like, you know, Birth of a Nation or Lion, I think these are topics that are as hot now or, you know, as needed to be talked about now um, than ever before, despite how circumstances might change or how, you know, technology helped progress. Uh, it's directed by Jeff Deckles, who did Mud and um, Take Shelter, which are both excellent indie films. And it stars Joel Edgerton and Ruth Dega. Or, yeah, Ruth Negga as a couple um, who are basically continuously separated because of their different races, and uh, they're basically told if you're if you're if you're still married by the time we find you again, we're going to throw you out of the state or just arrest you, but you have to be separated. So, uh, one thing I did like about it is even though it feels a bit overly optimistic, it's a softer approach, like kind of like how spotlight. Was it a yelly film? Like it was it loud. So was this where it was more realistic and humble as opposed to this showy Hollywoody film. So I do like Nichols approach on that level. And I, it's been tossed around, you know, who might get nominated. The film might get a lot of attention and yes, maybe no, it might not. But, um, it's still quite a decent film and one that's still definitely worth checking out because it sure wouldn't hurt. Uh, the closest I got to Lion, though, was just seeing the red carpet um, across from one movie that I was at. So I saw Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, and Rooney Mara, and that was it. It was a terrific movie from just that alone, I guess. No, but it's that and Moonlight are definitely two that I wanted to see. And just as a random aside, my friend went to go see Moonlight, and apparently the director, Jonathan Demme, was at the screening, and I was, like, grilling the director of Moonlight and they both just had like this huge filmmaker kind of geeking out session where it's like, holy shit, you directed Silence of the Lambs and you love my movie. That's amazing. You know? So <laughs> that, apparently that was like a big highlight tip for people who managed to witness that. So there you have it. Cool. <laughs> That's pretty I cool. saw
1: Loving as well. And I'd have to agree that it is a very, um, subtle, subtle story, or at least the storytelling is subtle enough, but it really does stick with you. And I think Ruth Nega is like, she's, beautiful like she's such a great actress and i hope to see her um go a little bit further in the discussion about awards this season because she's just great
2: yeah loving is one that i i'm probably very excited to see. one of my most anticipated films of the upcoming season just because i've been binging all of jeff nichols movies this year and i am i'm such a fan i thought midnight special was kind of eh at times but his his touch of a director is is unlike no other you know Andreas you and i've said this many times both online and offline from the podcast that we'd rather watch uh a movie where they're taking chances and risks and trying to do something original and creative and it fails than, you know, a boring, predictable movie. And Jeff Nichols is definitely in the ladder. Even when not everything clicks 100%, he's still definitely someone that should be paid attention to.
0: Absolutely. And with loving, he does take a risk not being loud and vocal about it. Even like Joel Edgerton's character is, he kind of like grunts a lot of the time or instead of being like, no, I I don't agree with this woman. You know, it's just gonna be like, uh, okay. <laughs> like he kind of just grunts along. Like, but realistically, how a man of that nature, who's a hardworking blue collar person, who's soft spoken, naturally, how he would react. So yeah he definitely takes a chance with this film because it's a loud film said quietly and I think it's beautiful that way
2: all right uh, I guess to sort of wrap it up uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe some awards predictions I know we're still quite a while out but you know TIFF is really the the kickoff point for for the potential Oscar nominees uh, we, had, we had talked about La La Land winning People's Choice which means it's all but guaranteed a Best Picture nomination uh, you both seemed in agreement that maybe Natalie Portman should get a best uh, actress nomination and Mahek, you've you've just pinpointed ruth nega as maybe getting uh, i'm guessing a supporting actress nomination or would she be a lead actress
1: i would peg her as a lead for sure mm.
2: yeah all right well yeah. uh what other other people or films or scripts should we sort of be on the lookout for that might be an award contender um
1: well for me i mean i'm just trying to solve Way too many films, or maybe not enough. But there was um, one performance that kind of really stuck out to me. And um, it was in the film Manchester by the Sea, uh, Mm -hmm. which premiered at Sundance earlier this year. And it got rave reviews. And everyone told me it was going to be emotionally heartbreaking. And so I went in prepared to be, like, really sobbing by the end. And though it is extremely, extremely tragic, um, it is surprisingly very humorous as well. Um, and that is in large part due to the youngest actor of the cast or one of the younger performers, and his name is Lucas Hedges, and he plays um, Casey Affleck's nephew in the film. And he's so, so good and just so he takes on that that comedy uh, in such a, in such a endearing way that I wouldn't be surprised if you know if he got if this film gets a little bit more of a push and imagine it will, um especially with Matt Damon attached to it. And such an all-star cast that I could see him nabbing a supporting a supporting uh, actor nom at some point over the course of festival season. I think that's definitely going to be one to look out for. Um, in terms of like everything else that I've seen at TIFF, I think Lion for sure. Um, Nocturnal Animals is another film that a lot of people mm-hmm. are talking about. And as I mentioned, when I wasn't able to see Jackie the first time, I actually ran over to Nocturnal Animals and tried to get in. And I successfully got in. And um, I could see Tom Ford maybe getting into the conversation a little bit because that film, the aesthetic of it is stunning. Um, I hadn't seen his first feature film, so I can't really compare it uh, to that one. But I can say, judging by this film alone and of course some of the acting especially from michael shannon jake gyllenhaal and aaron taylor johnson all three of them are extremely extremely strong so i could definitely see something coming out of that for uh, for award season based right. on the films that i've seen on tiff
2: <laughs> of course of course andreas uh what about you
0: uh out of the ones that i've seen you know la la land i think Emma stone is gonna get nominated ron gosling Damn well should be nominated, not because he's super strong, which he is in this film, but I mean, give the guy a break. I mean, one nomination and he didn't win. I mean, just come on. Anyways, uh, that's going to get a whole slew of nominations, and I think Jackie is definitely going to get actress nomination. Um, I would like for it to get a little bit more, maybe be a not a front runner, but you know, like a, a major contender at the awards. However, one that I would like to see is uh, Peter Sarsgaard for supporting an actor because i thought his turn as bobby kennedy is mm. quite wonderful and i think he's an exceptionally underrated actor and i thought he delivered heavily in that film so that would be nice to see even though i haven't seen either of these films i've heard big buzz about amy adams for either arrival which is the the villeneuve film which is getting a lot of attention and of course nocturnal animals as well so i would like to see her getting you know, some sort of recognition as well. Even though I guess this year we've basically admitted mm-hmm. that we don't think she would win for the upteenth time. Um, but aside from that, maybe something for Joel Edgerton, depending on how the Oscar race goes. If the male category is super strong, because right now I think the female category is the one that's jam packed with stellar performances and just a lot of attention. So, um, I mean, between Amy Adams, Emma Stone, and and Natalie Portman, it's already difficult, never mind Ruth Nega who might get nominated, and whoever else, right? So it's going to be a very interesting year, for sure.
2: Wow, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. I know you, the two of you have both given me at least uh, a dozen movies that uh, I need to be having on my radar making sure that i'm checking out there's tons of buzz about all of that and it's just such an exciting time i know we're, we're so fortunate to live in a city that has such a vibrant and exciting festival and even though i wasn't able to go this year i am so happy that the two of you got to go and experience and enjoy it um i think that just about wraps it up uh Mahek, where can all of our listeners find you
1: I am on Twitter at WhatTheMahek. Let me know if you were at TIFF, and if you weren't at TIFF, were you at any other film festival? I would love to hear what you're thinking about in terms of award season for this year.
2: And you can also check out Mahek regularly on the Capsule Podcast with Sean Chin. Uh, Yes,
1: that's right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Andres, where can all of our listeners find you?
0: you can follow me on twitter at andreas babs
2: and uh, make sure you check out live and limbo.com where the show notes are going to be we're going to list a whole bunch of these movies that we talked about today uh and what they uh, they all mean including some links to trailers and things like that um make sure you follow at live and limbo on twitter i'm at dgapa and thank you so much for listening